to KinoVision. Three views, two films, one podcast. My name is Henry Greenberg, and with me on the line, as always, is Nathan Roberts. Nate the Snake, here in reporting. And, and, uh, <laughs> yikes. And, um, newfound, uh, New York resident, Luke Hicks. Oh, I was trying to squeak my chair. It didn't work. I was too aggressive about the squeak. Yes, thank you. It's good to be in New York. Um, just so everyone knows, I live welcome in to New York, as Taylor Swift would say. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I feel that feels good coming from a past New Yorker. Um, Nate used to live in New York for for his undergrad stint. In case no one knows, there's the there's oh the God, squeak. So there's loud. the squeak. <laughs> there All she right. is. <laughs> Please excuse all, right, all well. further squeaking because we're not going to take the time to edit it out. We're really not. Um, okay, so <laughs> welcome the fourth host. to uh, KinoVision. Um, on today's it's pod, it's been some time. Uh, we're gonna it's been a, it's some, been a bit. Some previous films. We're gonna review some previous films that we have really enjoyed uh, in the past couple months, as it's been a minute since we've um, recorded, and give y'all something for the ear holes. Um, so first, we're gonna start out with just some quick hits. Some things that we uh, things that we thought were were interesting or fun. Um, so. On the fun note, uh, we'll start out with the uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, I believe this is the sixth Mission Impossible. Um, yeah. For this one directed by Christopher Christopher McQuarrie, um, starring Tom Cruise, Ving Rhames, the Fedora, etc. Dang, um, fella, fella, fellas, did you? Uh, what did y'all think about this Mission Impossible, or what stood out to you in Fallout um, as compared to past Mission Impossible? joints it, it it seems like they're starting to get uh i say starting as if this is like like just getting off the ground um but i don't i don't feel like it's about to stop anytime soon but i no, feel like they're not. starting to with with the past couple um which d- i think christopher mccoy did the last one too he did um and then brad bird did the one before that where he climbs the the dubai building um right but yeah that I don't know. They're getting they're getting more beautiful each time. Like becoming they're get, they're getting more well shot, like better written, a little more nuanced. Um like loaded with, I don't know, like on-screen literary devices. They they're not just action movies, which I feel like 2 and 3 were just that. I don't know if you'll agree with that, but I feel like 2 and 3 were really just action movies. Um and then yeah, I I like three though because of of Hoffman and J.J. Abrams did that like he he raised the the stakes I think with Ethan Hunt's character in a way that was cool. So maybe um, maybe but, he's the catalyst. I mean maybe, and then you know I I what I like about what I liked about Bird is that he basically did his Brad Bird thing, which is made it a live action cartoon. Yeah, um, and so. Yeah, I, I agree though that Macquarie has a bit more he has a bit less of a cartoonish sensibility than Bird. Um which is which is just interesting. It's just different. Um uh, the uh the first one though, like being a a De Palma at the height of being Brian De Palma, uh is I I don't mean this in a like naive I can't look past the or beyond the original kind of way, but I just really think it is the best. Like, 
it's a devastating movie and i don't really feel mm-hmm. that with with any of the rest of them and i thought this one was great i thoroughly enjoyed it i was like sweating from start to finish like totally on the edge of my seat i saw it in the draft house's new the big what do they call it the big movie or something like that have you heard of this no it's like it's like the draft house's imax Oh, cool. um, and they just started it it's called i think it's just called the big movie or like the big experience or something like that or the big screen except there's like a trademark sign next to it and it's it is fucking insane i mean it is huge the screen is massive it's bigger than a lot of imax screens i've been to Dude, and oh my gosh, the sound awesome. the sound rattles you i mean it's <laughs> like thick in the air um so that was great, and it was, it was a really great film. But the first one is just big and so thick, complex. Always down. Do what? Yeah. Sorry, I just I just said big and thick. I'm down. Anyway, um, two C's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, what I what I like about it, what I liked about this one, it's just that like they know exactly what you want from a film like this, and for a lot of it, they're just going for it. Like the amount of twists in like the second <laughs> act so of this insane. film. I, so I actually, I think what what I, my only like real critique about this film is it's very long, and I think the second act is actually the best act. The final act with him in the helicopter, like I liked it, but I liked everything in Paris, like oh, yeah. the fact that the chase you think it's gonna end and it doesn't end, and just the sheer amount of like, just like epistemic craziness happening in that in that middle bit, and like also the whole like GPS. Uh, you know the gps guided chase and the gps doesn't know about like like all of that like doesn't render correctly like all of that i really really enjoyed um so yeah i i think i think it's uh you're totally right that it's sort of trying to encompass more than like just a strict action film but it's also like losing its self-seriousness more and more with each one and this one felt very um all of its serious moments felt very knowing and very uh like playing into a trope which 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 makes it like fun and 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 sort of makes the enjoyment but it but definitely loses the the devastation and the stakes or the, the I guess maybe the emotional stakes that that you're getting in in the the original I don't know man that the very end of it I mean I wouldn't say it feels similar to the original to me because the original was something that you know like nobody knew at the time what to expect out of it and i don't know like i remember watching that movie over and over and over as a kid and i i didn't get what was happening when i was a kid not that it was like that difficult i just for some reason couldn't figure it out when i was eight. Oh, it's pretty difficult it's still pretty it's like the plot is very convoluted yeah there's a lot of mcguffins um and, and and it's like oh gosh what is her name the the main one that he's chasing after the whole time who was his wife her face like can encompass uh loss better than almost any face i've ever seen something about her looking sad just kills me inside um and michelle modigan is close but i mean i don't think anyone's gonna do it like whoever that is can but anyways back to mission impossible 6 i that michelle monaghan moment at the end where you run into her and and west bentley as her husband like I mean that gave me the chills all the way down and I was I was tearing really? up. Wow. I don't even know like out of fear or something out of what was going to come. Hmm. Uh I think the stakes were really really heightened at the end. But I don't disagree that it was playing into a like a, a well-known trope. Yeah. Well when the chills go all the way down you never know it's going to come, you know. True. Uh, and most important, you know, I I didn't think that they could evolve uh uh Luther anymore. 
but the straw fedora is an iconic <laughs> move. His character the development wicker is off the straw. Oh my god, I I love the I love how much he's just Ethan's conscience and yeah. also general tech associate. But like, <laughs> never take. Job. I never take the. I mean, the funniest bits are him like hacking, like when he's just sort of like poking away at a computer. It just looks so like not legitimate in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I I, I also um. <sighs> In that early scene in the hospital when he's like trying to restrain Ethan or whatever, though, all all I could think of was uh, that bit in in Ricky Bobby when uh, it's not the same actor. <laughs> no, I realized that's, after that's, that's uh, I, I, Michael <laughs> Michael yeah. Douglas Mike Michael Duncan. yeah Michael Duncan, Duncan Clark yeah Duncan, yeah is. yeah. But I I for a minute I thought it was the same actor and I just is like you are not paralyzed <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, moving on. Yeah, uh, Nate, you but saw a movie. All black people don't look the <laughs> oh same. God. I don't think they do. You heard it okay. from Nate first. <laughs> oh, we're 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 a woke podcast. <laughs> we really are uh, woke pod. Okay, N- Nate. All right, we should Nate, probably. Yeah, you, you saw a movie called We the yeah. Animals. Um, yeah. Talk to us um, about it. I'll, I'll just I'll just be quick about this one. I I saw it because there wasn't really anything else in theaters that I wanted to see. And, like, the reviews were pretty good. Like, critics seemed to really like it. And when I saw the trailer, it looked like a very sort of prototypical Sundance movie. So I was a little cynical. But the reviews were good. So, like, I went and saw it. And, like, it is, like, the prototypical Sundance movie. And so, therefore, it's, like, well made and the cinematography is beautiful. Um, But it's also, like, it's about a you know, lower class family, like mixed race family, half Hispanic, half white family in upstate New York. And it's about these kids who run around in a tree of life kind of style um, slash um, like, uh, what is it? Oh, Bless Their Little Hearts or like a lot of those like LA Rebellion films. Anyway, and they're like, they li- their family loves each other, but the parents are also abusive to each other, and every scene could be beautiful and devolve into violence, and uh, it's just like the dad loses his job because the kids are sleeping there, and like, like everything that happens is like exactly what you would expect from this kind of movie. It's filmed on 16 millimeter. Um, it it's very sort of loosely narrative it has this kids narration and also like hand drawn and like you know it it animates his hand and drawn animations there's some like magical realism and then when the end then the movie ends he's like he decides he's gay sorry that's a spoiler but that's and it's just a sort of like it's it's exactly what you would expect this movie to be. Like every aspect of it is like if you could take all of the like Sundancey tropes and put them together and package them well, but still put like in a way that's not surprising if you know this kind of film, that's what it was. So I ended up feeling like, oh, well that did what it wanted to do well, but what it wanted to do was not particularly surprising or like unexpected, so. Speaking of the unexpected, I want to use this moment because I remembered what film it was I was thinking of, but it it, it is a good uh, bounce off of this, off of We the Animals, since Henry and I haven't seen it. Um, the Miseducation of Cameron Post. Did y'all see that? No. No. I thought okay. I couldn't. I couldn't sort of get a vibe on like whether that looked like something I would 
like and enjoy and is interesting or something that's just like really lame it is yeah. definitely not lame um it's it's very good i would say in a lot of ways it does what uh nate is talking about where it's it's like an indie darling film about someone going through a period of trauma in one way or another or or uh, in this case it sounds like this is true for we the animals but in the case of miseducation of cameron post like um a coming of age kind of experience but it's very um it's very compact i mean i thought of it because you said which i, I didn't know that was going to happen but i'm not that upset about it that in we the animals they decide they're gay the the premise of miseducation of cameron post is that chloe grace moretz is queer and that she gets caught making out with her best friend on prom um and her best friend is a girl also and so she gets sent by her aunt to this like christian camp that's going to reform her uh basically through psychological methods it's not like abusive or anything like that um but it's i mean it's a really good film i i don't think it's like mind-blowing or anything but it's really it's so subtle it's way more subtle than i feel like we we get from the indie darling types that really try to like coerce you into tears throughout Mm. um and there are a couple like crying moments in there but they're not that heavy because she is so composed the whole time and she's not she's not acting like a victim really she's kind of just like i don't know like i'm 16 i'm being told by everyone that being gay is not what god wants for me but i don't like if i'm being honest i don't really feel like i have any connection to a god so that's confusing and so i just want to figure out for myself it's really good i think it's worth everyone watching um is it isn't there like another version of pretty much that same story that looks like more intense coming out very different version of that story i think but yeah who's it directed it's directed by joel edgerton who Joel yeah he, Joel Edgerton. He wrote it and directed it and he's like the fire and brimstone pastor. Right. And then Russell Wilson and Nicole Kidman are the mother and father and Lucas Hedges is the son. Right. Russell Crowe. What what did I say? Russell Wilson. Russell, <laughs> <laughs> Russell, Russell hey, Wilson is debuting. Sport. It's his acting <laughs> Hey, hey, sports! I get he's it. Still sports. wearing his like his uniform. <laughs> he's is, he's Russell Wilson playing Russell as Wilson. Russell Wilson as dad. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's really um, funny. Um, okay, well, let's, right. well, let's. Well, y'all want to hit on Madeline's Madeline a yeah, little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, Luke and I both recently saw a film called Madeline's Madeline. Um, and is made by uh, a woman named Josephine Decker, who wrote and directed it. Um, and She's not the a film... woman, Henry. She's a god. <laughs> Noted. Um, so the movie's about a uh, like a sixteen-year-old girl who is recently out of a uh, a psychiatric institution of some kind, um, and she for, for unnamed reasons. For unnamed reasons, she has an unknown mental instability. Um, and so, um, she, afterwards she joins, uh, like a downtown New York immersive theater group, um, where they start making a play. Um, and the director of this becomes very infatuated with Madeline and starts, uh, through these acting exercises where you, um, use your real life to inform, uh, either 
what usually happens is in these things is in like like in, in actual real life you use these moments to inform the emotions of the play um, that you're making uh, the director uses madeline's real life to inform not just the emotions but the actual text of the play so the play that they're making starts becoming madeline's life uh in a way that as not only a uh probably a regular 16 year old couldn't handle but then a mentally unstable 16 year old sort of heightens it to a crazy degree um and and turns into a really trippy uh and very harrowing um look at um yeah a young woman trying to navigate um telling the story of her life uh and, well, and it's like she's navigating all at once whatever this mental illness is she hates that her mom is like uh, her mom is a big part of this as well. Right. Her mom is always picking her up from from rehearsal, and we see a few scenes at home where they're eating dinner, and it's it's not a very uncommon teenage daughter and mom back and forth where the mom is overprotective and is like, "Did you get this unnecessary thing you don't want? And I know you don't want, but I'm asking about anyways." And she just like gets angry every time. That sort of thing. She starts coming into her rehearsals. Um, and it drives her crazy, but it, it drives Madeline into digging her claws deeper into her role as herself, basically. Um, but even even saying her role is pretty, uh, it's much more abstract than that. I mean, at no point are you just like watching them be like, all right, it's act one, scene one. Here we go. Madeline, you're playing Madeline. Uh, like so-and-so, you're playing the mom. I mean, it's all, it's, it's experimental theater. Um, I'm really curious, Henry, do you have many experiences with this in real life? Yeah, definitely. So there's, um, with different, like different theater processes lend themselves to different ways of, um, creation and like, uh, for this sort of like avant-garde immersive, um, experimental theater, there is a lot of, a lot of exercises. You just do a lot of, um, Things will be like, all right, make a simple motion. And so people will just move their hand and then everyone will repeat that. And we're like, how is this the play? And sometimes it's like very stupid. Sometimes it is like, if you move your hand back and forth, hopefully that triggers something about your past, which triggers something you feel about your dad, which triggers like whatever. And then that becomes an idea of the play. And you're pregnant. And then you're pregnant. Um, I so uh, So this one looked like uh, a little more self... I mean, there's... Part of this play, part of this movie, both does get what immersive theater, or I keep saying immersive, it's more like experimental. What experimental theater is like, it it's also not quite right. It feels like a movie version of experimental theater. It's a little too self serious, like the way that the all the actors are creating in the room, um, and the way that like no one ever questions what the director does. Until like the very that, very end, the very very end, but until then they like sort of do, but it it's never like it's there's a lot more push and pull. I think usually. I don't think there is a moment in the movie prior to when they question her where we would have seen them question her because all the moments like building up to that, we basically just see them doing exercises, or we see Madeline with Molly Parker, the drama teacher. Right, but but it's it seems like that the that the the creator sort of has like a uh not quite a guru sensibility because she you see you can see that she's like um 
insecure and like wanting this to go well and, and not sort of like this guru type that is often depicted i, I don't know it, it did it just seemed a little it seemed a little bit like someone who was depicting what they thought happened in those things and not necessarily what actually happens if that makes sense so there's yeah, a little I mean, bit there's a little bit of like okay i don't know if it would reach these levels um and i don't know but like the the movie is is yeah it's abstract um so i i was willing to sort of go i was absolutely willing i really enjoyed it to, to go down the, the the paths of what it was doing but like as far as um my experience relating to that it wasn't quite it wasn't quite yeah. like anything that i've experienced and i think it was because of uh just like a i don't know just not quite in reality well i mean i think that's all something we haven't said much about it yet we've talked about how the um theater group is experimental but the film itself is incredibly experimental oh, yeah, i mean it's, it's an avant-garde style film it doesn't become experimental just because the content is experimental. It's like what the, the, the formalities of the film, the editing of the film, the music is constantly changing from some, some soft piano to carnival music to electric noises. And I mean, Molly Parker's the drama teacher. Yeah. At first she's this, you, you kind of see her as like, you're saying Henry, like this brilliant person. And within 30 minutes we start to see her insecurities and, uh, I mean, the Madeline's Madeline, her, what is her name? Gosh, I should have looked this up beforehand. Cut this part out. Uh, God, what is her name? I just was thinking it. Uh, uh, I have it up right here. Helena Howard. Helena Howard. I was going to say Hannah. Yeah, the actual character of Madeline is is a total trip. I mean, she, Molly Parker, or sorry, not Molly Parker, um, Josephine Decker, the writer and director, found her at a high school just doing auditions and she was just like yeah i want to build a film around that person i don't think she had even written the film yet um she was auditioning for something she was thinking about and then she found her and she was like i'm writing a film about you so in a sense this is all kind of a meta experience from what actually happened as well although i don't think she's mentally unstable in any way um but yeah the whole film is it's 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 right up in helena howard's face most of the time miranda july is her mom and she has this kind of like shrimpy squirrely uh like countenance about her that is when you switch from helena howard to miranda july like that close like like blue is the warmest color camera closeness it's it's shocking because it's she has so much power helena howard does in her face and so much emotion and then miranda july is just like this mom who's terrified of any and everything that she's going through and it's they never really give you the family situation but there's no dad around um so there's like clearly something going on there but god i i thought it was unbelievable i was just i was in shock the whole time i had no idea what i was walking into I was like, I thought I was walking into one of those indie darling kind of films. And I was like, it's 90 minutes long. I don't know. Like, it's probably going to be a good story. It'll be well filmed. But that was something unlike anything I've ever seen before on a screen. The Yeah, the the, the experimentation of the filming is so cool. Um, and it so cool. lends to just feeling um, uh, a just a, a, in a really interesting like flow of emotions like like the journey that you go on is so um from the outset like disorienting so when you start feeling that these interesting moments you like 
you're not sure like what's real you're not sure like what it you i was so on the edge of my seat of just like i don't know where i am i don't know what what kind of world i'm living in for the longest time and that that made it such a satisfying experience um I, yeah i i really enjoy it i would recommend it um for any, for one anyone who's in the experimental film and two anyone who's just like has has any experience with theater and I think like what, what the the thing that's funny about it is that like when you do these acting exercises in, in shows, I've I've always wondered like you get the wrong person in these things, and like they can be so triggering for people, um, because like the whole point is that you like can emotionally recall and and you that you can trigger yourself basically. And so I've I've like always wondered like with if you put the wrong person in there, this could really throw a show and like. This could like also maybe ruin someone if you like push too hard, and that's sort of what the movie is doing. They put the wrong person in those in in those like experiments and like see how like what that does to a family. Um, and yeah, it's it's so it's yeah it's it's a really cool film. It is well, to check it out. Cool is a is an offensive word to that film. It is a, a well, masterpiece. If that film, if there are three films, if there are two films better than Madeline's Madeline by the end of 2018, whoa, I'd be very impressed. Whoa, that's that. That's a take. I don't know if it's ever going to come to Boston, man. It's not around. It'll come. All right, let's let. So let's move on. We have we have. Speaking of coming, oh boy, how how does this relate? Yeah, go ahead. With that there transition. is a film that begins actually with a young boy coming under his shirt during a health uh, instructional video. Oh, nice! And that film, thank you. Nice. We actually welcome. don't know that he thank finishes, you. but I'll 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 let him slide. <laughs> uh, actually, I looked into it. <laughs> and that film is uh, eighth grade, directed by Bo Burnham. Interestingly enough. Um, and uh, this film came out a while ago, but it's still in theaters. Like it's still hung on. Um, it's a, it's it is a so, hit. Yeah. So um. Yeah. Well, I would say like one thing that was just interesting for me going into it was that like I learned about Bo Burnham when I was in high school. Like friends told me about. I think it was like New Math. That was the song that they that they really that they really loved and, and that was so that was about i don't know sophomore year maybe um and i didn't i liked him i thought he was funny i didn't love him because i thought that a lot of his work was just it was very i mean he was just trying so hard right with every joke um it just you could see the effort that he was putting into it and it's interesting reading a lot of press around this film and it's like what's interesting like the whole film is basically about what it's like to try so hard to be liked and obviously burnham was like one of the first youtube celebrities so it's sort of like the first sort of mature reflection i feel like we have on this sort of like internet culture and like what it is like for young people to grow into themselves through this culture um and so all of that I just found to be very interesting about it. Did you guys feel like that? Yeah, I mean the 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 specific setting of this film compared to other films like this, I think definitely makes it stand up. And that it's so accurate to what's happening now. Um, but I will say I don't think I, I disagree with that that Bo Burnham is a tryhard. I think 
he puts that on. That's his character. In the same way that Colbert is like a, an ignorant conservative on the Colbert Report, like Bo Burnham is like a desperately hard-trying comedian when he is playing Bo Burnham. I don't think we ever see Bo Burnham as Bo Burnham actually is. Yeah, I guess. But also part of the reason that he made this film was that he was dealing with anxiety attacks that he was having because he every night he said when he'd go on stage, he would feel like he was trying to justify his existence. And he felt like this axe of anxiety swinging over him all the time, like it would fall on him. And so then he really stopped doing a lot of stand-up because of that anxiety and wrote this instead. So I think like that is very much of what he's dealing with is... Is that specific yeah. to being a tryhard, though? Like, I feel like it doesn't matter if you're the most muted comedian on the planet or if you're the most elaborate. Well, no, no, but I, I think, uh, I think there's a, the anxiety of trying is part of what is just like so much of the spirit of this film and what it gets so right. Um, you know? Yeah. No, I, I totally agree about the film. I just don't think that that's in Bo Burnham's act outside of the film. I think that that's what Bo Burnham is constantly critiquing. And so I think that's why eighth grade is so sharp is because he's great at that. He's really great at, at pointing at and picking out the things about culture and society that are either just like ridiculous or embarrassing or that we should all just sort of generally be embarrassed of, or in this case, things that all of these people will grow up to laugh about or, you know, kind of like be ashamed of but not really ashamed because they were just in middle school that sort of thing and I, I feel like he's poking more at that not at his own stage presence or not at his own career um especially because yeah, i don't i don't think he's schoolers. intentionally pushing at his own career but yeah. i mean he will say though that like his early his early material and especially the early material was like you know it had this disconnected kind of like um you know, it, it was almost like the, the pace of the internet. Uh, you know, it would just go from one joke to another. It didn't really build. Like, it felt very, like, I don't know. It, it just felt like he was, you know, one, like, joke, 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 joke. Yeah. And I just didn't love it when I was in high school for that reason. Yeah. Um, I also think that, like, the, the, so, the two things that y'all are saying aren't, like, the, uh, like, aren't, can't, can't coexist. Like, I, I think he, the thing, right. he feels so, like, he feels like he's trying hard and maybe that isn't like readily apparent, but like he, this feeling of anxiety feeling like he's trying hard all the time. So then he sort of leans into that more with his standup and that becomes the color and the critique of his standup in a way. Right. But yeah, but that's, I, but I, I agree that like, that's what I, that's what I talking about the film. That's what I so like about it is, is the sense of um, capturing this idea and, and you know he does focus on um obviously on on one girl who you can see specifically why she would feel a lot of anxiety she's really shy she doesn't um she doesn't feel like um her interests um or what she who she is like matches everyone else and and just sort of a classic sort of like eighth grade way where you feel isolated you feel like you're trying to find friends but you just just can't um but I feel like that that is such a such a wide encompassing feeling of just mm -hmm. I mean because like it, it's sort of known that uh, or it's I mean like when everyone talks about middle school it's it's always just like oh those are the worst times like that's that's the yeah. that's the awkward phase and he just like doubles down on that and and the film isn't really a like not much happens uh, but you know this this 
moment where she goes to a, a party at a, at a, uh, and has to wear a bathing suit in front of people. He gives so much time and so much like flourish and uh, the, the music and, and, and just like the, the zoom oh, that's on her is, is so like he, he, he really leans into those moments um, and, and makes those uh, so alive with the feeling of insecurity. And, and that party, too, is not just it's, – it's not like she's just going to her friend's house to go to, like, their birthday party. It's such a middle school experience where, like, a mom yes. who is obviously not in middle school or is very detached from what it means to be in middle school but who's trying to do the right thing is basically just, like, you're – to her daughter in one way or another is, like, you're not going to be an asshole. Like, you're going to invite the loser to your party. Right. And the daughter's like, doesn't want to but has to and so that, that and she's totally like elsie fisher our main character is totally aware that she's not being genuinely invited the whole thing is so awkward and it's just there's like when you're in middle school you're like i hate this like this is so ridiculous and, and it is you're right about it you know like it is ridiculous and there's and there's no way out of it um there's no way out of it yeah. and and that she's like stuck in that and she walks in as if that situation isn't shitty enough and it's like no one notices her no one pays no one pays attention to anyone it's just like everyone's doing their own thing they're all trying to impress everybody and it's like she just walks in and sinks into the deep end of the pool Uh, yeah oh it's so good i mean for me i like that all that stuff like it just felt so real like i saw it twice and i actually thought it was good to see it twice because the first time i I saw it it I was just like, wow, I felt a lot of feelings. That was a lot. Like, it wasn't even that I didn't, like, think it was a good movie. I did. But it was almost like bringing me back to that time and, like, really evoking that feeling was so strong that I couldn't really appreciate the film from, like, any level of, like, I couldn't even really appreciate the craftsmanship that much or even think about it that much. And seeing it a second time helped. And, like, you realize certain things. Like, the se- like the, that opening shot of her in the computer screen is so, so good, good. Because it's like you start that. so close to her face that it's like she's almost a sort of abstract, sort of diaphanous, sort of, like, shifting, like, not even quite a person. And then the camera just sort of slowly pans out. And as she's speaking, she literally therefore becomes a sort of solid shape of a person like that's literally what the whole film is in one shot right you and and it's just like evoking it visually like by sort of remediating the like form of the computer screen and it's just like stuff like that like that yeah and a lot of the music and the the like a lot of that i just appreciated more seeing it a second time even though the the second time like i still felt a lot of the stuff i felt the first time it was it was a bit i could have a bit more of a well-rounded rather than just purely like gut punch experience with it she's such a graciously written character too and and i don't think that's something i typically look for in the way a character is written but when you're a you know 25 to 30 something year old guy writing an eighth grade girl's character it's i mean i i wouldn't even know how to go about that and Bo Burnham does such a great job of it, and he makes such a mature eighth grader. I mean, she just gets fucked over time and time again by people socially, and she obviously has really like sad moments, but she's so strong. Like she's got to be one of the strongest eighth grade girls that <laughs> never, if she was real. 
Um, and she has such a good outlook on everything. She People essentially just humiliate her, and her outlook is just like, well, it's eighth grade. Everyone tells me it's eighth grade. Like, I know that I'm not what they're saying I am. I know that I'm bold. I know that I have, I know that I'm interesting. Like, I know that I'm attractive. I know that, like, I have all these things going for me, and just because they can't see it doesn't mean that it, it isn't true about me. And she can still think all of those things and, and still be one of the most mature middle schoolers you could possibly imagine. And it doesn't take the weight of middle school off of her, which I think is it makes it extra powerful for that reason. Yeah, there's a real self-awareness yeah, well, there's that, like... that, that the movie plays with because uh, I, I love I love the the videos that she records. Yeah. And there's something about mm-hmm. them being self-help, pro, like promotional you know, not promotional, but, but like they're self help. They're self help videos for something yeah. that she knows nothing about, and yeah. and there and there's something about that that I feel like encapsulates a lot of of what it is like to be on the internet, just like in a really like specific kind of shrewd way, mm-hmm. where it's this like like it's it, it's she is literally creating herself. She's creating the person that she wants to be through these videos and 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 at first it's sort of pathetic and and it's and it's and it's sad but then you see that it actually does start to influence the way that she acts and and it does become a a, a becoming um and there's something about that that i that i really like and and i think Mm -hmm. um you know it's funny when when you there was a great exhibit uh at i think i saw it at the mca in chicago where they just had like a running running footage of kids talking about what they think adults think of their online presence. So, and most of the Oh yeah, I I Yeah, seen and it. and yeah. it's them just being like they think we don't know, they think we're just attached to our phones, but it's like I like being outside. And it's like it's really and what's great is that the it's like oh yeah this was at sf oh you're right it was at sf moma yeah that's where i saw it um yeah and 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 it's great because it's like they they hear everything that we talk about they're they're not stupid like they know that we are all everyone older than them them is terrified of their use of screens and that is informing the way that they act and 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 Bo is like sort of taking that into account with the making of his movie and I, I I just dig the the, the self awareness that Elsie has of of uh of of what a screen is in her life and obviously not fully but, yeah. but there is a sense of knowing the way that other people see it and using it for right good or whatever right I mean that that's part of like what I think I love yeah like just the the tension captured is the idea of like projecting an idealized version of yourself in order to become a self and like it's not just like oh the selfie is just like a pretend version of you and the real you is all messed up and there's like this total schism between like the ideal and the real it's like well kind of that's kind of true that's not untrue entirely but there's a way in which by projecting forward which even the idea of projecting forward like goes into the time capsule thing too right so there's like a like literally like a like a yeah so the idea of like projecting forward as a way of setting a goal for yourself and like look keeping your eye on the ball of who you want to become and how that can actually be a really like natural and positive thing and like it's funny before i saw this movie like two weeks before it you know i was teaching this middle media journalism class to high schoolers and like a lot of them wrote about instagram and some of them wrote like very personally about how they like struggle with beauty standards and like putting like you know 
like getting followers, doing all these idealized versions of themselves. And like, then now a lot of them follow me and I follow them on Instagram and like, I see that's true. But like their self-awareness made me think part of it's like, you know, it's like in some ways it's like recognizing something that's a negative can be a good sort of prelude to thinking more positively. But it also suggests like, I don't know, this film suggests that there there is it, it's just like what this is is sort of an externalized mechanism of like what is a sort of normal way of growing up in the world you know yeah. and that it's not all like oh the kids these days you know yeah, yeah. oh i don't feel like that the film has that tone at all of like Never. kids these no. days by any way. if anything it's like it has the tone of like adults these days um yeah where, like yeah. with her Although dad, I love her dad. Yeah, we haven't mentioned her, her dad's dad. great it though fantastic uh well can i push back on that i i um i the one thing uh, that no. I actually okay, no, right, moving, moving on. on. Uh, I, <laughs> well, the one thing that I didn't love about the movie is the dad. I, I, he is the oh, most really? incredibly gracious dad I've ever seen on screen. And there's something of like in that first scene where she's on her phone and he's like, "Well, could could you get off?" And and she's like, "No," and he's like, oh, <laughs> "Kids," and it's like, and they're, they're, and he's just so like crazy supportive that when 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 El, when uh um what's elsie fisher's name in the movie kayla right so when yeah. kayla asks at the end like mm-hmm. i like do you uh what does she ask like do, or do, does being does being my dad make you sad you immediately know the answer is no like there's no possible way that that would like that he would ever I mean, like say like that. what what film is i mean who what dad is going to be like Yes, dude. We don't but, need her but dad I don't, to be that way to know the answers. No, no, no. But but but, but, yes. but that's not. But that's not what I'm what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that question will hurt a lot more if we could see that. Like, actually, yeah, it is kind of frustrating sometimes that he does like, because hmm. I don't think that that's like an unreal feeling of like out of love. Like I I I've felt this from my parents, and I've seen my sister feel this from my parents more of wanting like a someone to be a certain way where it's whether it's more social or just wanting them to have more friends and like pushing them in that direction or like wanting the best life for he them does do so that. that kind of but he like does that explicitly like he is trying to tell her to hang out with people all the time but it's it, I, I don't know i i i just thought that there was like i think there's a more of like a frustration in parenting of just like of just what i've observed from my parents and other people's parents where it just feel it felt so like unconditionally loving and never ever upset that was sort of like okay i don't know that i i i thought that the 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 those moments in that speech for me would have landed a lot better if i could have felt him like yeah i do get frustrated but because it's i because it's i want the best for you but i never saw him get frustrated or like why i mean it's definitely it's it it is definitely that way. I completely agree with you that that is how the dad is throughout the whole film. But I think the context of him being a widower and her clearly not being cool or popular or having any friends, period, at school, and uh, combine that with the fact that she's a part of this. I don't. Is there a new generation? Or are they still millennials? Like the hyper millennials, whatever. Uh, um, they're not millennials. The generation, uh, whatever. Name, but... Okay. Wait. What is it? Is it? Is, is it? Is it? 
Oh, fuck, I can't remember. It, it do, do, does one generation of generation Snapchat. Ge- generation Z. But yeah, the kind of kids who grew up, yeah, like in elementary school, they had a cell phone or like playing on their parents' iPads. You know, <clears throat> all of those things combined, I think, like the context of their situation, it's a very believable dad to me. I agree that most parents are not that way most of the time, and that that makes total sense. I know I would not be that way all the time if I were a parent. Um, but I think it's like we see him on what five occasions six occasions total like he's used as a character to be to be what he is and to be what you're describing I don't I think it would take away from what's going on in her life in middle school if she was having this conflict with her dad at home um, in a more aggressive way because they do have a conflict the conflict is their their lack of connection in all of this where she can be yeah. so open and social to herself um, when she's up in her room and then she walks downstairs and plugs in and won't talk to him. Like, that is yeah. their conflict. And, yeah. And and for me, this was, like, very, very similar to what, it, like, the dynamic between my dad and my sister when she was in middle school and, like, absolutely, like, you know, one of the like worst, most obnoxious parts of her life. Like, he basically decided at one point, like, she's going to be difficult but I can outlast her. And mm-hmm. so he shut down instead of expressing outward. And then he found ways to like connect with her. Like they all read the Twilight books together. They, he would watch American Idol with her and he didn't care about it at all. Like anything that would be a positive connection was like a good connection. Um, so yeah, so maybe there was some like internalized frustration that like he wouldn't share with her. Um, but like I don't know, like this seemed very similar to me um, as like a coping mechanism for that sort of like preteen um, angst, you know. I, and we didn't see him like letting off steam at the bar with his buds or yeah, something. I, you know, that yeah, I, I just I wish film. I would have seen that it was a coping mechanism because that one. This little, is I don't know. I mean, the, yeah. the, this, this is, is also true dance, of this is also true of John Cho and Searching that just came out. He's like that same dad. Oh, I'm, I'm interested to see that. Um, also, I, I think we would be also, remiss to not talk about the, uh, like, I don't I don't even know what to call it. I guess, like, abuse scene uh, uh, in the yeah. car, which was one of the most cringeworthy things, definitely, of the year, if not ever. I mean, inc- because it's incredibly so realistic. Written. So well written. Oh and that, like, it's, it's way more cringeworthy than an incredibly violent or like a hypersexual scene that's brutal somehow in another mm-hmm. film because it's like it's this eighth grade girl in a scenario she's in the back of a car with a guy who's at first driving her home and it's it's so drawn out um, like you're there the whole time it doesn't skip from him being in the front seat to him coming to the back seat it's like he pulls over he like takes his time he he gets back there eventually asks her a lot of questions and the whole time you're just like uh yeah stop yeah just a downward and and even like afterwards when he's like hey i was just i was doing this for you right right like when he's like even when he's like at his dickest moment um like he you could tell like oh he's just he's really embarrassed you know like he didn't seem like oh this guy's such an asshole it was like you know this thing went really poorly and he feels really embarrassed about it and so this is how he's dealing with it like projecting it back onto her 
Um, like I, you know, this is. Oh no, I, I think anyway, that guy's it's definitely just, an asshole. <laughs> like one hundred percent. But 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 he's not he's not a caricature. No, that that he's is not a very a real way. He's of just being like an a high school boy yeah. who has no emotions, and it's just like I'm gonna take advantage of this girl because I can. I don't know. I think he has emotions. Like that doesn't mean he's not an asshole. That doesn't mean that what he does is like okay by any means. I mean, obviously he has emotions, but, I, but he doesn't have empathy, or he he doesn't like in that moment he can't be like, oh, this girl said no to me four times already. Like I don't think that's like I genuinely just wanted to like kiss her. I liked her or something. It's like he's taking he, his shirt off in the back of the car when she's saying, "Will you please stop doing that?" Like that's not that's well, she not an innocent say, person. She. She doesn't say no to him four times. That's part of why the scene is so good and hard is that she's like trying to, she's trying to appease him while simultaneously not really feeling it, obviously. And then she, she reaches her limit and then she snaps. Like that's part of why it's so well written. I think she does say no, like multiple times. No, no, she doesn't. Are you sure? She goes, uh, okay. That's what she says multiple times. Uh, all right, well, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> really, I mean, it feels like she's saying no, because you know that deep down she's saying no. I mean, you don't know deep um, down, it's all over it. her. Like, I, I don't think there's well, any I mean. excuse to be made for that guy's character. I think that guy is meant I'm not, to be I'm like not trying to make person. an excuse for his character. I'm trying to, like, like, relate the scene as it actually happened. She does not say no four times. And that's part of why the scene is so well written, because you know that she is not comfortable and yet she goes along with it anyway until she hits that limit point. I, I don't agree with you about most of the things you're saying. I wouldn't even say she goes along with it. Okay, we can find the script and I'll like send it to you. Yeah. Because she I've definitely seen it does twice. not. She's like cringing like in the corner. With like her It's not that's not going like along what with her. what she says verbally, the verbal consent is not the consent you get from her body language. I don't think there's like verbal consent. That's part of it too. Anyways, this is this is semantics no, at this it, point, but I feel like that scene is supposed to sicken you. I don't think you're supposed to have any empathy whatsoever for that that guy. Oh no, not at all. Like, I think you're still supposed to think of him as a person, though, not as a caricature. No, not but, as a character, well, but, but, but he's like, like a. You see that that's a real thing that happens, and that's why it's great. Right, it's like that is a real kind of high school dude who fucking sucks and like does that to like younger girls and like a like I'm not yeah. I, I didn't leave the scene like dang man. I feel for that guy <laughs> for, for sure that was not my no. move but like no. but it is it is effective because it is based on something that is real and, and you see like when he like at the end when he just like man it's your fault you can tell that it is like yeah he, yeah, he, from, he all, resembles a predator i mean yeah. he is a predator like yeah. That's yeah. his character. Um, but really, I mean, the, 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 the male character we should be talking about is, is Gabe, played, played with, 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 up with a plum by Jake Ryan. Um, give uh, that kid a fucking so good. funny. Move over, Tremblay. This kid is my whole life. I could watch him do anything. I mean, that dinner scene where he has, he does the thing where his limbs, his, the cat's so good because his limbs are like too long for his body and he's got these spoon hands that he just like sort of like waves around <laughs> the whole time and I I mean that that dinner scene could have been for two hours I was just so I, I loved every single second of that kid being on screen it was his so introduction perfect. in the in the Golden State jersey with the music <laughs> oh no 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 not that guy that's the, oh wait, what guy are you talking? I'm about? talking about Gabe, the the one that she like has like talks about Rick and Morty with. 
Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I oh, love that gosh. kid. That dude is hard to watch, but I agree yes. that he's great. <laughs> yes, but that's exactly why, because but. he's middle school encapsulated, where he's so nerdy and so yes. awkward. Okay. I also, yeah, like, yeah. I've started to say, I started to say in real life, uh, my favorite line from the film, which is, uh, this is a great conversation, no? <laughs> yeah. rhetorical oh, so, so funny. Dang. But yeah, yes, I do good. also love what was it, like Adrian or what is what is that kid's name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's oh great. my gosh, the 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 just drops so that funny. come in every time he's he's on screen is so that's great. great. <laughs> okay, well, I think well, that's all the time that we have for um this indeed. episode of Kinovision. Um, but uh, we will be back soon. Uh, thank you as always for listening. My name is Henry Greenberg. I'm an artist residing in Chicago. Uh, my name is Luke Hicks. I just moved to New York. I'm a film critic. And I'm Nathan Roberts, and I'm a PhD candidate in film and visual studies at uh, Harvard University. Yeah, yikes. Bummer. <laughs> yikes. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at KinovisionPod. You can follow me on Twitter at Lou, L-O-U underscore Kicks. K-I-C-K-S. Anyone wanna anyone wanna drop some some shameless plugs? Uh, my Twitter's fine. <laughs> oh, you should follow Henry on Roberts. Twitter. Yeah, you should. Thanks for listening. <laughs> bye. Luke, say bye. Bastard. <laughs> yeah, we always say bye. <laughs>